HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi there, I'm Greg from Kapow. Visit us at kapow.com to check out our unique collection of everyday reusable products designed to help you do more with less. C-U-P-P-O-W.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. All in the Industry is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit, member supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now. on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, July 6th, and this is the 111th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, I am doing a special on-the-road edition of my show, featuring interviews and highlights from the Food & Wine Classic in Aspen. But first, as I do on every show, I'm starting out with my PR tip. So, as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to take advantage of opportunities. Make the most of situations by taking chances and seizing moments. Believe that everything you do and every person you meet can lead to good things. Strive to be open, aware, and ready for whatever comes your way. In other words, be opportune. That's my tip today. Now, today I am solo in the studio, but I have lots to share about the Food & Wine Classic in Aspen, which took place from June 16th to 19th. This was the annual event's 34th year, and it's considered to be the creme de la creme of culinary events. Once again, the festival sold out, capping attendance at 5,000. It not only features food and wine talent, top talent, and attracts the best in the industry to attend year after year. But it is, it, it is in such a beautiful setting in Aspen that it is just magical weekend all around. Now, this is my sixth time attending the Classic, but my first time is media. 
It was great to be back in a familiar setting and enjoy a mix of new experiences. The weekend included the Amex trade program, grand tasting tents, and over 80 cooking demos and wine seminars, and lots and lots of parties. Now, a large part of my agenda was the American Express Restaurant Trade Program, which kicked off with a party at Ajax Tavern at the Little Now, and then included three excellent panels at the Hotel Jerome, organized by Baltz and Company. So let's kick it off with a clip. Here's Danielle Wallace, the Vice President of Industry Development at American Express in Merchant Services U.S., talking about her role in the trade program concept. My responsibilities at American Express are understanding industry trends and what's happening across every industry, one of which is restaurant. And for us to get closer to what's happening in the restaurant industry, we love this event because we're able to pull together different restaurant operators, owners, chefs, and understand what's happening and create a forum for people to network and share ideas and grow their business. When did the trade program start? Do you know? 27 years ago. 27? Yeah, this is our 27th year doing the restaurant trade program. Wow, and the festival's 34, so that's pretty early on. Yeah, exactly. So we're so excited. And and every year we try and evolve it, and we get feedback from the participants, and then we tweak, and we figure out, okay, what's working, what's not working, what do people want more of? Um, I think, as I was mentioning earlier, we used to do a few more panels. We do a little bit less. We ensure we have networking events, um, and it's such a nice, intimate forum for everyone to get together, whether you're a big restaurateur or small restaurateur, and share ideas. Yeah, so how did you come up with the three panels this year with the themes? Sure, so it's really um, based on what we hear in terms of what's happening in the industry. So one of the panels, you know, as we just attended, was around technology, and that's something that in every industry event that we go to is one of the most popular topics, and there are just so many forms that technology can take for the restaurant industry. So for us, that made the most sense um, in terms of ensuring that we had a forum where people could share ideas around technology. Um, the other one, mentorship, um, that's, again, something that we've heard in the restaurant industry. We work with restaurant merchants day in and day out, and they're often talking about, you know, I learned from this person, I learned from that person, and so we thought it would be great to bring together those mentor-mentee relationships and have them talk about how that helped grow their business. Um, and through the restaurant trade survey that we conducted, we really saw that um, number popped in terms of the number of restaurateurs who had a mentor who helped them grow their business. Yeah, no, they've been they've been excellent panels. Do you do you see for next year are you already thinking ahead of, of what will be on the horizon? Definitely. I think technology will continue to be a topic. Um, And I think, you know, we're really going to have to purse that um, out a little bit more. I think this year it was very broad in terms of how we approached it. And I would love to see us go deeper on different types of technology trends that we're seeing in the restaurant industry, whether it's delivery, whether it's customer relationship management systems, um, you know, whether it is reservation systems, mobile payments, all of that is influencing the industry. And so I think we could have probably spent an hour talking about all of those things. So I think next year I'd love to kind of go deeper on some of the technology trends. Yes, tech is huge. Yeah, I would also say fast casual. You know, we did a mm-hmm. panel last year on the rise of fast casual. It's one of the fastest growing subsegments of the restaurant industry. Um, and so I think that might be something that we um, consider revisiting next year. Um, and it was great to have Nick Jemay from Sweet mm-hmm. Greens on the panel, um, but it would be great to hear from more restaurateurs in that space as well. 
Yes, I really love the trade program. It's educational and it's great for networking. And Danielle mentioned, so one of the panels she was talking about was was the tech panel. It was titled Technology's Impact on the Hospitality Industry. She mentioned Nick Jamey, Sweet Green's co-founder and co-CEO. He was on the panel, as well as Union Square Hospitality Group's VP of Technology and Processes, Maureen Cushing, Corner Table Restaurant's partner, Michael Jacobs, and it was moderated by chef, author, owner, and host, Tyler Florence. So next up, I have a clip with Nick Jamey on the panel as he's talking about understanding Sweet Green's customers. So take a listen. Yeah, so for us, we have a very unique customer in that it's, for us, it's all based on frequency. We have a very frequent and loyal customer. So that transaction, we look at it a bit differently. And it's not about necessarily, you know, understanding the behavior when they're in the restaurant or kind of have our manager go and connect them. Um, speed and frequency is really everything for us. So trying to understand their behavior, trying to bridge that gap on the convenience side is the most important thing for us. So understanding how we can use technology through our mobile app to make the transaction more convenient, quicker, and remove pain points. And so with the new app, we have customers can, as Tyler said, be walking to SweetGreen, open their app, and you know with one click order maybe their favorite, order something else, and your credit card is saved, and they walk in, they grab it off the shelf, and they can walk out, or they get it there. And for us, as, as we've spent years understanding our customer, the transaction, and what the biggest pain points have been, been waiting in this line every day for lunch or for dinner. Um, and even though a line is a great thing for business, when you see people either frustrated by the line or walk away when they see the line, um, that's, a, that's a business problem we have to solve. So understanding that we can build this tool, this technology tool, to help relieve that pain point and create more convenience and frequency allows our customers to come in more. Uh, and then again, with that app, we were able to understand their behavior so much more and, and make decisions around menu or store design or even how we build the app. Really, to understand their behavior allows us to make better decisions as we craft that experience both offline and online for them. Yes, I just love Sweet Green, and it was a really great panel. And a little tidbit about Nick. So his mom is my friend and a former show guest, Rita Jamey of La Caravelle and La Caravelle Champagne. So Nick grew up in the industry. And I had a great time with Nick and Rita. We actually took the gondola ride up together to Christina Gerdovic's publisher's party on top of Aspen Mountain. And the party was themed Charleston Social. It was hosted by Chef Mike Latta. It was fantastic, as you can imagine. The gondola ride actually takes about 20 minutes. And when you get to the top, the sun was the sun was setting, the mountains, uh, I mean... It's just breathtaking. So, so it was a great party and great to have that time to spend with the Jamais. Okay, so another trade panel was Meet the Masters Adaptation with chef and restaurateurs Hugh Atchison, Tom Douglas, Barbara Lynch, and Tony Mantuano. It was moderated by chef, author, and host Andrew Zimmern. We're going to hear from him later. But for now, let's listen in on this trade panel, Meet the Masters. Here's Hugh Ashton talking about staying relevant and ad- adaptation. American palates in the last 20 years have hyper, hyper speed changed. And adapting to that and keeping up with it and looking at the food that people are creating these days and the trends and everything that's happened. Um, it's just, it's crazy. And it's because of people like you and your goddamn TV. Yeah. 
Now, I also caught up with Hugh in town. I ran into him at a local coffee shop, and uh, so we caught up a bit, and here's what he had to say. My name is Hugh Atchison, and I own restaurants in the state of Georgia, in Savannah, and Atlanta, and Athens, Georgia. How many restaurants do you have now? I have four restaurants. And, and are they all different concepts? They're all, di- in, they're all standalone concepts. One's Mediterranean, one's kind of uh, very modern southern food, another one like that as well, and an Italian restaurant as well. Awesome. I'm due for a trip down south, and especially I've been meaning to get to Atlanta because I hear a lot's happening in the dining a scene there. A lot is happening in Atlanta. It's a good, good town these days. Yeah, so I'm sitting here watching you draw what... I'm and these are beautiful. This is doodle. This is doodle. Okay. So we're just putting together stuff step by step for a demo tomorrow that I'm doing, instructing people how to actually cook from scratch, and just a simple everyday cooking of putting a bigger, healthy meal together. Have you done this talk before here? Um, not this specific one. I've, t- I've done so many demos here over the years, but... Um, I did a demo with Gail Simmons earlier today that was fun. Um, usually, I mean, it depends on the year, but no, I haven't done this specific one. So. Okay. Um, how many times have you come out to Aspen for the this food and wine? about my tenth time, somewhere around that. Many times. And what is, since it's called the classic, what, this is a random question, but what's your... What's a classic dish that you, you're a fan of? What's a classic dish? I mean, you know, I'm a Canadian, but I live in the South, so there's so many things like collard greens and a good roasted chicken with gravy and rice, you know, that are uh, still staples of food that I think are classic yet timeless. Yes, classic Southern dishes. I like it. So perhaps you've caught Hugh yourself on Top Chef. He's often a judge. Um, or perhaps you've caught him downtown, down south, which I am due for that trip. So I uh, have, to, have to make some plans. And on that note, we're going to take a little break. And then we're going to come right back and talk some more about the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Americans throw away 58 billion disposable cups every year. A lot of those cups will still be around long after you're dead. Kind of dark, I know, but I'm Greg from Kapow, and we decided to do something about it. We created the only glass travel mug that's 100% U.S. made. You can check it out alongside our complete line of everyday reusables at kapow.com. C-U-P-P-O-W.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm I'm Sherry Bayer, and today's show is 
on the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. So a major component of the festival is the Best New Chefs. And this is a list of 10 restaurant chefs that are selected by Food and Wine magazine every year. And actually this year the list was 11 chefs because there were two winners from New York City's Contra and Wild Air, Jeremiah Stone and Fabian von Hosk. Uh, so this, uh, so it's not always ten, but it's ten restaurants. And uh, restaurant editor Kate Crater, who's also been an awesome guest on my show, she's the one who largely curates this list, and she has a certainly has an eye for finding talent. So these chefs are welcomed into the food and wine family, which is now headed by talented editor in chief Nilu. Motamid, I think it's Nilu Motamid. Sorry about that. And they are featured in the magazine and they participate in the classic. So you can check out the July issue of Food and Wine to find out more about the top chefs. They're on the cover and you can read all about them and why they were selected for this honor. Now, earlier this year, I met Chef Michael Guloda of. Um, Mofu in New Orleans. Uh, we met at the Worlds of Flavor Conference in Napa, and I was thrilled to be reconnected with him in Aspen, and he was one of the chefs honored as a best new chef. So here I have a clip talking with Michael about his restaurant and his experience with food and wine. My name is Michael Glada, and my restaurant is Mofu. And when did you open? Uh, that was January of 2014. Okay, and what's the, what's the concept of MoFo as I'm getting ready for my New Orleans trip in July, and I will be going down there? What can I expect? So MoFo, the idea of MoFo was to do an industry restaurant, so somewhere where cooks, servers, and bartenders would want to go on their day off. And typically we all go get traditional Vietnamese or Thai food, and so my business partners and I, who were all fine dining guys, said, well, we're going to go back to the neighborhood we grew up in, open up in a strip mall, and make a really toned down restaurant with really great food and great cocktails and a good beers list, all local southern beers and all that fun stuff, and make it really approachable and gregarious and fun. So where where in New Orleans are you? We're in Mid-City, which okay. is still kind of one of the, the last of the of the just regular New Orleanian population. It's just, it's all, it's literally people that grew up there mostly. Um, it hasn't had a whole lot of people moving in. We're not really in the uptown area. Um, we're closer to the lake, almost to the lake. So it's actually where I grew up. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what's 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 the must order, or what's mm. most popular dish? <clears throat> Man, there's a bunch right now. Well, the lamb curry's been on since we opened. It's the one we're actually going to be serving here in Aspen, and it's probably my favorite um, because I was something I've been tinkering with for years, and then finally got it on the menu at Mofo. But the other one right now, if you're at lunch, there's this pasta dish that we do, which is pastas that we make um, in house. We're actually at our sister, little sister pop-up Tana, where we have a, a pasta extruder. We make this really delicious uh, tapioca flour egg noodle pasta, and we toss it with a fresh pounded turmeric root curry. And it gets gulf shrimp and summer beans uh, and what else is in there? God, I don't know. It's just delicious. <laughs> Sounds delicious. And the whole delicious. thing is kind of finished with coconut milk, and just like in Italian cooking where you might finish with cream or butter and emulsify it, we finish it with coconut milk and emulsify it, and then add tons and tons of fresh mint and cilantro. And it comes in this crock, and it's just piping hot, and I don't know. Every time I serve one, I eat half of it before it gets to the table, I think. Okay, I'm down for it. Yeah, I love it. I just love it. Yeah, so we're here at Aspen Wine and Food Festival. Congratulations. You're you. one of the best new chefs, which is amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean... Unexpected and crazy. Well, what what was the experience like? Was it a Kate Crater phone call? Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Out of the blue? <clears throat> it was one of those... I, I had talked to... 
a few of the, the people from, from Food & Wine. I, I got a few phone calls from Chelsea Morse, who's no longer with them, but is awesome. And talked to her a few times on the phone and talked to uh, Kate Heading a few times on the phone and, and was just like, man, they're sure are calling me a lot. That's kind of weird. And then there was one morning where I talked to Chelsea early in the morning and she just asked me. It had been like a whole year since I had talked to them. And uh, she called me in the, early in the morning and we just chatted for like an hour about things that were going on, things I was excited about, things going on in New Orleans. She said, okay, I was just checking in and see how you're doing. I was like, well, that was awfully nice. And then I missed like three calls that day as I was running around. I kept checking my phone. I kept being, I missed a call from this one number. Like, what is this number? So I called back and it was Time Inc. It was like a 212 like, ah, number. Yeah. Well, Time Inc's called me three times a day and I missed the call. So I better make sure I, I get the next one. And then I, I got the last call and it was it was Kate. And I'm like, oh, okay, I think I know if the Kate Crater's calling you. Right. They're pretty much like, okay, well, then you're either, she's either planning a trip down to New Orleans or she's calling me for that reason. And uh, she was like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I think you're going to tell me how I'm doing in about... <laughs> she's like, yeah, I think so too. And then she was like, well, you know, congrats. It's amazing. It was wild. How long did you have to keep it a secret? <clears throat> about a month. But I, I'm not one of those people that, like, has to tell people. Yeah, I'm not one, that's how I am. I'm not a person who has to tell a secret. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really bother me. Um, it was pretty intense because I felt like we had to ramp up the kitchen and get ready to get really busy. But I couldn't tell anyone why. So I was just like, I just think the city's going to be really busy, guys. I think we need to hire up. I think we need to, like, get some people on staff or get people ready. Like, we're going to be really busy. Um, I think I said that enough to where one of my longtime uh, coworkers and employees kind of figured out what was going on because I just had this sort of wild look in my eye. But, um, right. Yeah, and then the funny part was it happened while I was on the plane. The big reveal happened while I was on the plane in New York because they sneak you away on a plane in New York and they don't tell anyone why you're going. And so I had to like make up a lie as to why I was getting on a plane and going to New York because all my, my partners were like, where are you going? Why are you going to New York? And I was like, I got to go do this thing. Got a fundraiser. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't have to bring any food because usually I have to bring big crates of food. Right. Like, I didn't have to bring any food. I'm just like, ah, that's, that's got to go. It's, they want me to do an appearance. I don't know. But exciting for us, right? And they're like, yeah, cool, man. I'm glad you're getting invited to appearances. So I, I fly out, and it happens while I was on the plane. So the moment my plane landed, it was just like this. My Facebook and my Instagram and my and my email and my text messages, my phone just like sat there and shook for about 30 minutes. And didn't, I, think I, I think I broke the phone, actually. It hasn't worked right since. So That's incredible. Yeah. No, congratulations. It's it's, it's quite an honor. It's, it's, it's one of those ones where you're like, it's something you dream about mm-hmm. coming up in the restaurant industry. Because, I mean, I worked for John Besh for a long time. I was his uh, number two for eight years or so. And so I was with him on multiple trips to Aspen Food and Wine, you know, and he's so beloved right. in the food and wine community. Mm-hmm. And to be like, man, I, you know, I wonder if I could ever reach the, that ability. Because when you start working with someone like that, you never think you're even going to make it to sous chef and then you make it to sous chef and then you make it to chef de cuisine and then all of a sudden you have a chance to go out and open your own restaurant and you never thought any of that was possible and it's funny when I go back and talk to even my business partners who we've all one's my brother and one's a guy I've worked with for years as a front of the house uh, manager and they're like man your ideals have changed every step of the way because at first you were just like I just want to open a small restaurant or at first it was just like I just want to you know keep my job and then it was oh, I, I just want to see if I can make sous chef and it was well, oh man, I'm Chef de Cuisine, and then all of a sudden it was like, I just want to open a restaurant that's you know no pretense, and it doesn't matter if we get any good accolades. I just kind of want to be respected by the by the food community, uh, you know, by the industry community. That's, that's all I want. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, we're winning awards. <laughs> so suddenly you're just sitting here and you're like, oh, I don't know how we got here, and we, that wasn't the original game plan. But well, it's you know, hard work, and yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, it's it's wild. Just to hear what my one of my best partners the other day was talking to me, he's like, Mike. You were always talking about how you didn't want to do any of these things, and now all of a sudden we're, we're all getting on a plane tomorrow to fly to Aspen. I'm like, I, I, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> so is this your first time out here? No. Well, I, I've been here before um, working for my old boss as his okay. helper. Got so, it. Like, literally, like, 
roasting roasting whole animals behind the little now and doing dinners on top of the hill. So it's kind of, I was talking to Kate Crater about that yesterday. She's like, well, you seem more relaxed because you've been here a couple of times. I'm like, yeah, it makes it a little bit easier when you've had to see how crazy it can be, but also how right. laid back it is and how much there is this camaraderie behind between everyone here. Yeah. So the fact that I've been here before, I think, and plus I know how to hydrate and drink a lot of water. It's all about hydration. <clears throat> what are you What are you cooking here at, at the tent? When are you cooking tomorrow? We're doing, uh, I'm doing tomorrow. I'm actually paired up with the guys from Contra, Jeremiah and Fabian, who oh, I love. They're, awesome. they're, they're really awesome yes. guys and I was really excited to be paired up with them and we're tomorrow we're Saturday afternoon uh, 4 30 I believe and I'm doing our slow roast lamb neck and green curry with uh, Creole cream cheese roti wow sounds good hope so it was good it was really good and it was really great to talk with him and uh, I can't wait to get down to New Orleans I'm actually going in a few weeks for Tales of a Cocktail so I'm going to go to his restaurant very excited now a big part of the festival is of course the wine so here I chatted with top sommelier and wine guy Paul Greco from New York City my name is Paul Greco I am the owner and general manager of Terroir Wine Bar in New York City you know, I had to do that not because I have a hard time saying terroir. Did I say it right? You said it right. Okay. We, it's amazing. <laughs> we, we had um, my former partner and I, Marco Canora, had a pension for choosing names of joints that were not easily pronounceable. Hearth became hearth. Yeah. And uh, we opened in CMA, and that became in seam. It became whatever. And when we did terroir, even James Beard Awards, we were nominated for graphic. On the main stage, Alice Tully Hall, the presenter, said, Terrier Wine Bar. It's terroir. There you have it. It's one of those words yeah. I get stuck on, but it's yeah. but but it's a, but it makes sense. Call for, me whatever the yeah. hell you want. Just come to my goddamn wine. Bar. All right, Paul, I got that one down. So we're here at Aspen Wine and Food Festival. So how long have you been involved with the festival? I've been coming to Aspen for I think nine years now, primarily with wines of Germany initially, and then I was lucky enough that Food and Wine magazine asked me to do seminars, and I've been doing them now for about five years. I love it. So how did you get connected with Wines of Germany? Um, my advocacy of Riesling, while much smaller initially, whenever a wine marketing agency called for some promotion they were doing back in the day, Wines of Germany did, I guess, Riesling Week, German Riesling Week they called it. <laughs> we go with the flow. Um, <clears throat> And um, so they would call me because they knew I would be happy to do two or three German Rieslings by the uh, the glass, and that and so that connection with those wines, that willingness to engage them in whatever promotion they were doing, when we created some of Riesling, there was a natural connection with wines of Germany, and so it was always a back and forth, and they've been great supporters through all the years. And then when did you start doing your parties here? Your your Riesling uh, the parties. Wines of Germany parties. Summer of Riesling. Oof. Um, my God, I think they started about seven years ago, and it was very small originally. And yeah, the first I year, that. I think we got 25 people. The second year, we got 50 to 75. Third year, let's say around 100. And then the fourth year, it was just insane what happened. And it was this incredible groundswell of interest and support. I think we changed the conversation and or people just wanted a goddamn good glass of wine late on a Saturday night. Or a tattoo. Um, or a tattoo. <laughs> and it, 
it was one of the more popular parties at Aspen Food and Wine. Yes, because I was I was coming here then, and I remember watching it watching it grow. So um, definitely a good time. Tell me, are you involved with this um, Psalm Con? Come, happening here? Uh, I, I certainly signed up for it. I've not gone okay. to all the events, and I think it's uh, this is the second year. I think it's a great development, and we see we've always had Psalms at Aspen, but now we see Psalms just coming and hanging out as a place to meet and relax and do that. And I think you can do a lot of different things at seven thousand feet above sea level in Aspen. So SomCon is a great, great development. What What is it for someone who doesn't know? Because it well, is a it's, newer um, part of Aspen. Well, it's the wine editor for Food and Wine magazine, spearheads with Richard Betts, um, specific uh, presentations, seminars geared towards Psalm, be it the selection of juice or the topic at hand, is maybe a little bit more highfalutin than the consumer wants to engage in. Uh, the wines are highly, they're not as available, et cetera, et cetera. And our peers are speaking to us. So okay. it's a great opportunity for the community to come together and just talk shop. And hopefully there are some new topics every year that are not your normal wine gathering topics. Great. No, I wasn't sure myself even what it was, so I'm, I'm learning, and I know it's a newer component, so I think it's great that they've added that. Yeah, no, the, 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 the Psalm community has always been a great community, and I think uh, food and wine has without question been a food-driven thing, as it should be. And if we do believe that Psalms are gatekeepers for a lot of people into the world of grape juice, then engaging them a little bit more is a great thing. And Dana previously, now Nilu's editors with Ray, are doing a phenomenal job with that. Yeah, that's wonderful. So what's what? Anything else happening here with you, at the festival with you? Are you uh, too are many you done? parties? Too many parties. Well, I, well now with this, this hour Saturday afternoon one. at okay. four forty-five, let's say my final seminar is done. This is a magical place for the four days you're here. Crystal clear blue skies. The sun is shining. Temperature's perfect. It is idyllic. Consumers are in a great mindset. The industry's in a great mindset. I have no clue if it's true, but I think fifty percent of the people here are industry. So it's an opportunity mm-hmm. for us to. To socialize in a way that we can't back at our respective businesses. Um, it's a lot more easygoing, uh, and there are more parties than usually. The dance card is not big enough to absorb all the parties going on. Well said, well said. Yes, tons of parties in Aspen. Some highlights were the welcome reception at the St. Regis Hotel. There was the Magnum Party at the Jerome Hotel. Wines of Spain Party hosted by Chef Jose Garces. Dim Sum After Dark with Andrew Zimmern and Gail Simmons. Spasmatics at Belly Up. An open table had a late night party at Matsuhisa. And so, who covers all of this stuff and all of these parties? Well, the event has in-house photographers behind the scenes. We're going to talk with a photographer because they work really hard at capturing the event for others to see and share. So I next up, I have Hugh Galdones on what it's like to cover the festival and how he got involved in the industry. He is a staff photographer for the Aspen Food and Wine Festival. Here's Hugh. My name is Hugh Galdones. I am a staff photographer for Food and Wine. How many years have you covered this festival? This will be my seventh year. Wow. Yeah. So what what what's, what are your assignments? Because this is, you know, a three-day massive event. It's really trying to cover as much as I can in the time allotted. Um, when I first started, I was working for the PR 
team, and I'd be shooting, you know, as many events as possible so that the wire could use the images for whatever they need. This year is actually I'm shooting for marketing, so we're shooting a lot of more advertorial asset, stuff that you'll see in print, stuff you'll see on posters, all the banners you see at the Aspen Classic. Those are assets that are printed by the marketing team. Right. So all day long you have assignments that you have to be at certain points. Yep, I have multi-page shot lists. You know, start at you know six, seven in the morning all the way till midnight, and shooting anything from chefs doing their demos to people interacting with the products to chatting down to after parties, all these different things that make the classic what it really is. Right. So what's the hardest part about being a photographer at event that's moving? It's like moving parts. Um, I think it's the pile-up after the event. If you, if you think about it, as a photographer, we're shooting for three, four days straight, you know, tens of thousands of images. People want the images right away, but the hardest part is really sifting through everything that we've captured as photographers to really showcase and highlight the best of the best. And I think that's the hardest part. That and also the sun. But, it has been hot. Yeah. What, what's your favorite part? Um, I think the favorite part is really the, the chef interactions. You know, it's one thing to see a chef in the restaurant, you know, table touching, shaking hands with consumers. It's another thing to see chefs with their peers. And I think there's a, a different type of joy that I, I capture as a photographer when I'm seeing chefs talk with other chefs versus them interacting with just the, the guests or the, the consumer. Right. I get that. So how did you get into this? You were telling me before you're from Chicago. Um, I, I'm currently based in Chicago. I'm born and raised in Montreal, Canada. Oh, okay. Um, I worked in a kitchen, um, started as a prep cook, worked up the line, um, and I was just shooting here and there while I was helping out. Um, the restaurant is Joe Beef, if you know I've been about. there. I have you. So. Yeah, solo dining, Joe nice. Beef. Yeah, it's the best place to eat alone. Yeah, the great bar. I met people. I made friends. Really? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, long story short, I worked there. Um, you know, I was staging, I was helping out, and then some of the images that I was taking just on the fly ended up in Forbes, Food and Wine, Elle, all these other magazines, and I'm like, wait a second, maybe I should be a food photographer instead of trying to pursue a dream in the kitchen. Really? That's how it so, came about? So that's how, how cool. That's, I mean, in a nutshell, that's how it came about. So do you still cook? As much as I can. I absolutely love to cook. You know, I visit the farmer's market in Chicago twice a week. Um, you know, with two kids at home, it's a little tougher. But when I have a chance to host, I, I go all out. That's awesome. Any any other thoughts in the classic? I mean, it's just a Super Bowl of, of food events, really. I yeah. Mean, I don't think I'd be coming back for my seventh year if I didn't think it was, like, the tete de cuvee of food events. It's absolutely spectacular and just an honor to be here. So yes, hopefully I can stay awake. Yes, the Super Bowl of food events. And another photographer who was on hand covering the event was Ken Goodman from New York City. He's been a past guest on my show as well. Um, it was great to see him there. And those guys really work hard and do a great job. So we're going to take another break here, and we're going to come back with some more interviews. And I have a special speed round game. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. Today's show is on the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. Next, I caught up with Andrew Zimmer, and he is the co-producer of Bizarre Food on the Travel Channel. So, hi, I'm here with Andrew Zimmer. And so, how long have you been participating in the Food and Wine Classic? About 20 years. The first 10 or 12 is a cook. I mean, just coming here to help chef friends of mine out who were overwhelmed and needed, you know, hands on deck. And it was great because I got a free pass, the classic, and it was it was different back then. It was it was still as beautiful and as precious, um, but it hadn't become the monster that it is right. today. And I've been doing the last seven or eight as a headliner, as you know, obviously with the show going on and stuff like that. And I have a relationship now with food and wine as a chef in residence, and I uh, write for the magazine in digital and in print. So it's you know I. I keep getting more and more involved here, and it's been one of the... It's turned into my favorite weekend of the year. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you are very involved, because I know you're you're doing the book signing now. You yep. were moderating the trade panels, which yep. we're at, and we're great. Yep. Hosted a party last night, doing a couple demos, um, judging a uh, uh, the Koshan event. It's, oh, yeah, I'm going to go over there stuff. later. Yeah, it should be fun. Oh, cool. How do you balance it all? Um, I, you know, something I made sure to take off July and August and spend time with my family. It's, it's, I'm purposely unbalanced here because I'm committed, you know, I'm alone. I'm, well, I'm with a team of my folks here. And so I get up in the morning and this is work, you know, it's my fans, but the, the really fun part about it is, you know, getting to spend time with people that sometimes I only see in half hour chunks three or four times a year at a festival or event, you know, and that's, that's why this is kind of like summer camp for chefs. I just wish it was 45 days long instead of four or five days long. I agree. Know? Let's play my speed round game really sure. quick and sure. then I'll let you go back to your book signing. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to name a couple of things, yep. either or a situation. You yep. just pick your preference. Sure. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Mocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Uh, chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive charge. Classic rock or punk rock? Classic rock. That comes from the classic theme. Yeah, you know. An- another classic one. Classic French or molecular gastronomy? Uh, classic French. Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Uh, cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, Aspen, or Minneapolis? Uh, Minneapolis. Done. You were really good at this game. Thank you. He was really good at the game. And summer camp for chefs. Just love it. Okay, lastly, I spoke with Luis von Richten of the Chef's Club, which is another component of the Food & Wine Weekend. So here's Luis. My name is Luis van Gerichten, and I'm working for the Chef's Club uh, by Food & Wine family, and uh, we're based in both Aspen and New York. So you're based in in New York, and you're out here just for the festival weekend? That's right. I'm based in New York. Uh, We've been doing some back and forth for, uh, for the restaurant, and this is like a perfect time for us to come uh, we can combine like meeting with the team here, changing the menu, and we also have a, a booth in the, in the grand testing. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a fun time for us to be here. So what's your role with 
uh, Chef's Club? Uh, so my role is, um, my technical role and name is uh, the head of development for Chef's Club. So I've been part of it since pretty much the beginning, since we opened Aspen. And my role is pretty much to open the restaurant. And uh, I've been involved in every aspect from like staffing, putting the menu together, the design elements, um, the operation elements. And now I'm, I'm heading towards developing the brand. Uh, so we're heading towards a fa- more fast, casual concept and also developing the, the flagship, which is Chef Club Aspen and Chef Club New York. Lovely lady and lovely accent. And I had a wonderful dinner at the Chef's Club Aspen with Louise and part of the or the whole Chef's Club team, including Didi Elena, Dana Cowan. Uh, on my first night, we were able to dine there. It was really lovely. Thank you so much. And a little tidbit. So uh, Louise's father is John George, the chef, the chef, the restaurateur that everyone knows, in case you didn't know that. Okay, we're going to take one more break. Come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Ajax Tavern. Here's the rundown. The location, 685 East Durant Avenue at the Little Nell in Aspen, Colorado. The concept, indoor and outdoor mountainside hub for French and American fare, known for its pre-ski cocktails and people watching. Why did I go? Because it's sort of a must when you visit Aspen. My experience. I went for lunch on my first day in town and took a seat outside on its inviting patio. It was ideal alfresco dining. What did I get? I had the Ajax double cheeseburger with fries and an iced tea. My take. Yum. Simply can't go wrong with the double-double. The ambiance. Outdoor dining at the bottom of Aspen Mountain by the ski lift entrance. It's not too shabby. Perfect for a, ca- a casual meal with drink and drinks with friends. Interesting tidbit. I ran into some industry peeps who had the same idea as me, including Food and Wines Editor-in-Chief Nailu Mutavid and her husband, Peter John Lindbergh. Personal fun fact. Okay, so my Instagram burger photo did pretty well. I had up, up till now, I have 71 likes. But the photo that did really well for me over the weekend was of French Toast at the Grand Tasting by Michael Mina's Bardot Brasserie in Las Vegas. So my photo on my Instagram has so far received 230 likes, but it was reposted by Food & Wine's Instagram, receiving over 12,000 likes to date, which is just crazy. And I've also dined solo at Bardot Brasserie in Vegas, believe it or not. Another personal fun fact, I also solo dined for breakfast one morning at Poppycocks, as it was recommended by Agency 21's Brett Friedman, but I only have time for one solo rundown per show, so that's all I'm going to say. The cost was $24 at Ajax, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Of course. The website is thelittlenail.com. 
And that's the show. So for more information about Food & Wine Classic in Aspen, you can go to foodandwine.com. You can follow the hashtag FWClassic to see lots of photos and tweets. I would like to thank publicist Lori LaFray-Wells for having me on behalf of Heritage Radio Network and to all of my interviewees. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, and it was great to hang out with so many industry friends in Aspen. I would also like to congratulate everyone involved in the festival. You make it seem so seamless, including Devin Padgett and Food and & Wine's Dila Koberstein-Allen and her whole team. Really great job. Uh, it's, it's the reason people go back every year. It's a, a spectacular festival. Now, as a reminder, next week, my guest is Julie Reiner. She's the owner of Flatiron Lounge, Clover Club, Leanda, and Mixtress Consulting. She's been elevating the cocktail scene in New York City for over 15 years. So please tune in then. That's next week at 4 o'clock. Also, as a reminder, all of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. I'm on social media. I am at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry, at Heritage underscore Radio, and I am now snapping. Yes, I'm a Snapchatter, if that's the right way to say it. I don't know if that's the way the kids are saying it, but I snap now, and that's at Sherry Bayer. So follow me there. My Facebook page is all in the industry, and my websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. I'd like to give a big shout out to my engineer today, Pierre. Thank you so much. He's awesome. He put together uh, playing back these clips for me and uh, made it happen. So I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you, Pierre. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week. Thanks for being a part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Well, you are looking for the high ground Gotta see what's next